0: I'm Ben Klunt. And I'm Stephen Brown. In 2019, we started this podcast as an accountability tool for our health and our business goals.
1: Through our discussions, interviews, and sharing of our successes and difficulties, we've learned we have a passion for leadership.
0: In 2020, we're striving to grow our own leadership abilities by focusing on learning from great leaders in business and life and continue to share our successes
1: and struggles on this journey. We'll continue to have raw and candid conversations while sharing our own insights and experiences with our goal being to grow as leaders and as people. You're, You're listening, listening to Ordinary
0: to, Ordinary to Extraordinary. Extraordinary.
2: How's uh, how's that doing?
1: Much better, oh, much better. Okay, nice. I think that'll
2: make our levels
1: better. For, cool. For, for I've
2: got now. I've got more room. I can go up and down both ways if we need so.
1: How do we sound, Steven? Nope. Does sound good? Sound good to me, but there's also uh, there's a that's what she said joke there about going up and down either way, <laughs> I right? I know.
2: I know. Okay. I tried to stay away from it. As soon as I say it. <laughs> Leave it to Steven. He spent too much time. Let in me course. tell you. What. <laughs> I realize that that I'm trying to become more professional, and that means a lot less. That's what she said, jokes, and uh, it's like the worst thing in my life. I hate that I can't like make jokes anymore. Could you imagine?
0: So you 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 run for city council, you get elected, you do all that, mm-hmm. you're just dropping. That. That's what she said. You know,
2: Bro, lines and jokes already. There are times when I'm like texting people, and I'm like, I don't know that that. Any other city council person in the world is doing this right now, but I, I send some good GIFs, man. Let me tell you. <laughs> oh, you say GIFs instead
1: of GIFs. You're one yes. of them.
2: Okay. Listen to me. I will die on this hill. Let me tell you why. Right. So I own a trivia company. Right. And so I research things all the time. Now I get where people are coming from. On, it's graphic, not graphic. I get that. But the guy who created the GIF calls it a GIF. I'm not calling you Staven. Your mom didn't call you Staven. She called you Steven. Okay? So I'm going to call you Steven. The guy who created the GIF calls it a GIF. Anyway. All right. You're pretty passionate about this. I like I, it. I, I'm surprisingly passionate about it. But... Uh, You've been
0: spending a lot of time indoors, Jonathan.
2: A lot of time indoors. Yeah. A lot of time. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of pent up time. The, uh, the <laughs> only people that I'm spending time with are my wife and my son. My wife gets tired of me. My son can't understand me, and so, whatever. So well, in fact, Jonathan's not even talking
0: to us now. This is just a separate thing. He's literally just talking to a screen. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah,
1: yeah. He's gone full so politician.
0: Yeah. <laughs> He's playing himself and now putting it out there with created content altogether.
1: Yeah. yeah. Oh but my it, gosh. The beautiful thing is, we always start recording right off the bat, so we get some great stuff, and that's definitely yes. staying in there. Your little rant. Oh yeah, I figured that. Please,
2: way please out. do. I want to change the world, one pronunciation at a time.
1: Oh good lord! Don't <laughs> even get me started. Can we start on leisure? Because he says leisure. Leisure.
2: I say leisure. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's wrong. Look it up. If you want, if you want to go full pronunciation Nazi, that's you got go to go across later. the board. It's leisure, not leisure. Yeah, but
2: it, it depends on what, what dictionary you're, you're looking at it from. Are you or looking we, could from the just
1: go, we could just go on the English dictionary that actually comes from the, the country that produced <laughs> the language instead of bastardizing it right here in America.
2: Well, well I don't in believe in America, that Scottish and English are the same, what? right?
1: Yeah, we say things the same as the English. We might have an accent, but the words are pronounced the same. The other well, one. Yeah, but I think made, you
2: adopted English too, right? Like English wasn't the native language of Scotland, right?
1: Well, it depends. It was a regional thing. There were parts of Scotland that it was, and then you had Celts who right. had all kinds of different. I mean, you've, you've got Scottish Gaelic, you've got right. Irish Gaelic. Um, right. Yeah.
2: That's what I'm saying. So I think that <laughs> you adopted the language as much as we did.
1: Yeah, but at one point, French was actually very common in Scotland as well, due to the Jacobites. Totally. Yeah. yeah. What he bites? The Jacobites. You would say J- Jacobian, but I would say J- Jacobian. <laughs> <laughs> the Jacobite okay. revolution, or, or rebellion, sorry. Get on
0: with the content. Get on with the content.
1: Well, you're the guy that always welcomes people now, Ben. You oh, made yeah. that your thing.
0: Well, yeah, Ben. To- Benny Boo. Ordinary. I'm Ben Clune. This is my Scottish friend, Stephen Brown. And with us today, we have the man with the Carhartt beanie, Mr. Jonathan Bingle. Do you want to go by John or Jonathan in this? Jonathan's fine. Jonathan's yeah. fine because he says it in a flannel, like all proper with a Carhartt freaking beanie
2: I, on. People ask me all the time, you John, yes. Jonathan, Johnny? I honestly don't care. I really don't. J-Dog? J-Dog. I'm, I'm, I'm for it. J-Dog for city council? Absolutely, J-Dog. That's right. Yeah. I went so to Roger. that wasn't uncommon.
1: Yeah. Before we give you we give you the chance to give your uh, full spiel and who you are and what you've done and, and all the rest of it, can I talk about how we met, Jonathan? And you probably sure. remember. Um, and then I'll talk but, about how we met too. So Jonathan owns Bent Trivia, which is a company that essentially provides a trivia service to bars that don't want to employ a full-time employee to do that or whatever. And it's super fun. It's interactive. There's screens involved. There's uh, a lot of arguing going back and forward with the Quizmaster, at least on, on my part. So I started going to, and I don't even know if, if I can't remember exactly where I went and it was the first time I'd, I'd met you, but I just remember bantering with you back and forward repeatedly on the same evening. And my team was always in contention to win because I'm a smart ass. Um, <laughs> and myself with some intelligent people to answer the questions. But yeah, I used to give Jonathan shit when I said things were wrong and I'd pull stuff up on the Google and be like, look, look. <laughs> You're such a pain. You're such a pain. So that's where I met. That's where I met you
2: originally. And obviously our, I love our friendship grew from there. That's right. So we, we write all of our own questions and I'm the, you know, editor of all, of, all the questions that come through Bent Trivia. And so anytime you had an argument, trust me, I had already looked it up and I was ready to defend what you were going to bring up. Cause, yeah, uh, Cause we, we had a handle on the content. We knew what we were doing.
1: Yeah. It didn't stop me arguing
2: though. I'll argue. Oh, absolutely not. No, no. Let me tell you what. Okay. So I've gotten some pretty good insults over the years. Okay. So, um, one of them was, um, uh, and this one actually wasn't even upset, but somebody got mad at me. They wrote it on the back of the scorecard and, uh, I don't know, uh, if I can say this here, but they called me a volcano of douchebaggery. Uh. <laughs> uh, I just think that's terrific imagery. I wasn't even upset. I was, I mean, I was giving them a hand clap on the way out. And then, uh, one time somebody was like, and this is from a person I know pretty well and they played all the time. And I was 100% right, and they were 100% mad. And uh, you know, they said that you're either you're either uh, uh, a liar or ignorant. You know, which one? You know, and uh, I thought that one was pretty good. It could have been you're either stupid or a liar, but it was it was along those lines. And and uh, I looked at the I'm person because I knew it pretty well. I was like, man, you don't gotta play if you don't want to play tonight. You know, like. But uh, yeah, some people. I think I'm the a other thing guy too. I'm competitive. So I, I mean, it doesn't even bother me.
1: I think the other thing I used to enjoy was I would come up with really risky team names. And I'm going I'm to take the credit for this one. My best ever was, if your sister wasn't your sister, would you? And you had to read that out multiple times when you were telling everybody the scores. And that just made my my night.
2: (laughs) Let me tell you what, I'll read that kind of stuff all the time. You know, I just hate it when people put, you know, a profanity like in the team name. And I'm like, I can't do that. Or like a celebrity will have died and they'll make a joke about them. And then I'm like, I don't feel good about this. But yeah. It Mm -hmm. was your sister. That's right. Listen (laughs) to me. They're common words. I like it.
1: I just like making people uncomfortable. So anyway, Jonathan, that's how I knew you. Um, Let's talk about who you are, what you've done, what your experience is, what you're doing now, and then
2: we'll dive in a bit.
1: okay, go on. Sorry, Benny Boo. (laughs) I've known Jonathan for years now. Oh, yeah.
0: Our wives went to school together. That's true. Did you know that, Stephen? You told me that the other day. Graduated the same year. Yes, they did. But that's about it. Yeah. (laughs) We've never actually <laughs> hung out. We've never
2: actually hung out anymore. There's Maybe a networking. Yeah. Yeah. Well
1: yeah. we should fix that. Jonathan and I played golf just before the weather turned uh really terrible, although it yeah, it poured down rain that day a few weeks ago, didn't it? That was rough. Where'd you guys play? Downriver. Downriver.
0: I thought you just told us this morning you hadn't played golf since Palouse. Yeah, it was before that. A few weeks ago was not that was like Your time frames are off. It was... We played Poulouse
1: in October. Yeah, it was October we played Poulouse. I think I played with Jonathan about a week before that. Yeah.
2: Oh,
0: so you you guys played like a month ago or more then?
2: Probably, yeah. Yeah, no, it was... uh, was, I used to be a pretty good golfer, but uh, But, uh, uh, it's... it's an expensive it's an expensive hobby yeah expensive in time and dollars
1: absolutely yeah it can be expensive i think in spokane we're blessed we have amazing public oh, yes. golf here in spokane
2: but
0: so, even so.
1: still Stephen, i mean it's 50 bucks a round if you're gonna play 18
0: with a cart like most people can't swing a hundred dollars a week to go play two rounds
1: mm-hmm. yeah lots of those 100%. same people are spending twenty dollars a day on coffee and drinking hey, on yo. weekends and yeah so I think it's all priorities. It's yeah. ex- it's expensive if you don't prioritize it, if you've got other things going on. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So to reduce on both the time and money aspect, I'll go and I have, you know, uh, the course maps for all the courses in town. And so I'll go and I'll go to the range and I'll play the course in my mind. And so I go and I, and I hit, then you don't have to find your ball. You don't have to, uh, you know, walk all the distance. You just, you just play it right there. And, and it's, it, it's still a lot of fun, man.
1: Yeah. All right, Tiger cool. Woods. You know, that's what he does on the practice course, right? He goes to the range does? and he goes over every hole and hits all the shots he plans to hit on each hole. So he basically plays around on the practice range before he goes on and plays oh, around.
2: Cool. Yeah, but, but he does it on purpose. Like he <laughs> he, he shapes his shot on purpose. Mine are like, I'm trying to hit it straight just about every time. And then it's like, oh, okay, well, I went a little, little left this time. How are we going to get out of that?
1: Yeah, that's the fun of it yeah yeah so anyway tell hey, us your story jonathan
2: yeah so uh, i'm born and raised in in spokane i went to rogers high school i met my wife um just a little uh, close to 10 years ago and uh, we actually met in a movie theater she came and sat down next to me uh in a movie theater and that's where we met and uh you know you tale too? is old the I mean, time guy and girl meet in a movie theater i love getting oh. married Um, but, uh, yeah, so that's where I met my wife. We've been married for eight years. We just had our, um, our first child, uh, seven months ago. So he's a COVID baby and his name is Samuel. He's just a little joy, but, uh, uh, growing up, I was super involved in everything. My dad was a pastor and so I was involved in the church. I was involved in school. I was involved just about everywhere you could be uh, involved. I really like just about everything you'll find in my personality. I'm a pretty happy go lucky, like super energetic guy. And I just, truly enjoy just about everything that, that has to do with life. And so, uh, you know, I always had the FOMO and I didn't want anything to happen and I wasn't good at it or right. I didn't understand what was going on. So I did everything. And then, uh, in, uh, in high school, my junior year, I had a bit of a, um, a bit of a problem because I had too much going on. And so I had stress induced anxiety and I would, I had to have an inhaler cause I would, you know, freak out. And then I was like, you know what, we're just going to get rid of some of that. And, uh, so once we got rid of that, you know, I took, took life, uh, you know, a lot less seriously, uh, you know, certain things seriously, but most everything I realized on the scale of eternity, when you talk about you're going to die in 80 years and then your soul, your spirit is going to live on after that. What does, what does this really matter? And that helped me to, to uh, relieve a lot of stress and anxiety. I went to college for a little bit, realized that, uh, I didn't want to work for anybody. So I went off and started my own company and we've been doing that for uh for about 10 years now
1: cool so Sorry. tell us about the company we talked about it a little bit how did it start yeah. where are you now and obviously what's happened over the last nine months
2: yeah so the um uh the company is called uh the corporation is bingle enterprises uh but uh, we mash those up and we call it bent so you take the b from bingle and the Ent from enterprises and it becomes bent and so we have bent trivia and bent events and uh, what happened was i was in i was in college i was a uh, I was a bartender at applebee's and uh, applebee's wanted to start doing some late night entertainment stuff and they're like jonathan you're fun is there anything you can do for us and um then my friend abby suggested jonathan you should host a trivia game and so i thought okay you know i'll help out a little bit and uh, you know applebee's had been really good to me um you know with with college and some of my church commitments there would be some last minute things where it's like guys I need to be at this thing, you know, like I was a youth pastor. And so sometimes something would happen to a kid and I'd be like, man, I need to get to the school or I need to get to their house. Uh, You know, something bad. They need somebody there. Can I, can I go and do this? Applebee's was terrific to me and I'll always appreciate Applebee's shout out Applebee's. Um, And so because of that, I was like, yeah, I'll help out. And uh, you know, then it was uh, you know, we did a good job at it. And so it was pretty popular. And then I was like, okay, I don't want to, I don't want to host this game anymore. Now what I'd like to do is go back to the bartending because there's 200 people in here. Um, And so then they started paying me more to do it. And then it wasn't just at one Applebee's. Then it was at two Applebee's. And then it was at seven Applebee's. And then I started to realize to myself, I might be able to do this full time. And so I quit my job and uh, started doing that full time and it became successful. We, uh, you know, at our peak, we had 12 employees. We had a full time salesman. Uh, We had a bunch of part time employees who did hosting. We had games in Idaho, um, all over Washington, Oregon. Um, And then as a course of that you know because our hosts were fun and what we did was fun people asked us to start being involved in their weddings and so then you know we were djing and we had photo booths and it just everything was just kind of like um uh you know people would ask us to do things for them we would do it we did it. then they would ask us to do it more we were able to do that um and so the company just kind of organically grew from from me uh you know serving applebee's the way that they had served me so so talk a little bit now
0: where you're at. You had, you had 12 employees. It sounds like at one point you were in oh, yeah. Idaho, Oregon, Washington, yep. COVID hits. COVID Obviously, hits. I'm, I'm assuming your business model has changed a little bit right now.
2: Yes. Yes. So we, yeah. Um, our business now is running at about, you know, 5% of the capacity that it was before because um, you know, our clients are bars and restaurants and since bars and restaurants, um, have been shut down. Um, even when they opened back up, then they banned uh, indoor um, live entertainment. And so then we took it outside and we started doing trivia tailgate. Well, then they banned outdoor live entertainment. So then we couldn't do that. So we tried to, we tried to move it online and it's been, um, uh, it feels like restarting the company because we're trying to have to figure out how to monetize online when before our, our separator, the thing that made us the best was that we were the most fun, uh, and we have a lot more competition now online than we did before, and the things that made us fun in person are hard to translate into an, an online environment, and so we're uh, we're in the process of trying to um, make it to where we can, we can still be competitive and monetize online, so that's where we're at now. Um, with restaurants and everything getting shut down again, um, the way that we've tried to Pivot there is now we started a trivia takeout service to where for our clients um, uh, the only way that people can play in the game online is if they order dinner uh, from one of our restaurant uh, partners so they go and they they get that food um, you know and they go home for us it, it allows us to minimize some costs because we can service you know 10, 20, 50 restaurants uh, with a single host at a single time slot um, and so we're able to reduce the cost for um, our restaurants. Which is desperately what they need because they are they're struggling really bad. And so we can't obviously keep charging our same prices because they can't afford the same prices that we were we were charging before. And so um, we're hoping that this is something that can help us to uh, uh, to really continue to thrive. Cause we were, we were at the position where we, we had a full-time salesman. We were buying a space in downtown Spokane because we were going to expand. We were going to try to move uh, instead of just being a regional into a more national brand. And uh, thankfully before we signed on the, on the dotted line uh, you know um, the shutdowns happened. And so uh, we had written into our contract that we could pull out, you know, for, for any reason. Yeah. And thankfully we were able to pull out. Otherwise we would have been in, we would have been in big trouble. So, yeah. without giving actual figures from a revenue
1: standpoint, percentage wise, what did you see drop off?
2: Yeah, it was it was um, it was 95. in the ninety <laughs> five. It was it was it was in the mid nineties, and certain things have changed because, um, thankfully, with Idaho, they don't have the same restrictions on on weddings, or they didn't now they do, and so some a lot of our wedding clients moved to Idaho, so we were still able to do some with our events business, but. Yeah, it's something where I mean, it's 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 significant what's uh, what's happened. But definitely in the mid '90s, our our business is shut down wow. because our clients can't be open; they can't have people in their in their bars and restaurants. And since you know we're we're a, a company that is is built for crowds, yeah. Uh, as we understand, crowds are are bad news in the in the day and age that we live. And so uh, our our company. Uh, not just um, from a business standpoint, but from a moral standpoint, we've struggled on, um, you know, is this okay for us to, to still be doing this? Because we obviously don't want people to get hurt um, or to find themselves in a position where, you know, they have significant long-term damage um, because we were encouraging an activity that might've been bad.
0: Mm-hmm. So I yeah. got a question
2: that deals a little bit along the lines of what our theme
0: is actually for 2022. Yeah. So like you had mentioned Uh, in the past dealing with some anxiety, right? And then faith brought you to Mm. something different. Yeah. Um, A 95% drop in revenues is a pretty significant drop. And I know for a lot of business owners, I mean, it's very much their business is their baby and they are emotionally Mm -hmm. tied to it. Uh, How are you working through some of the mental side of that too? Because I got to imagine as a male that wants to provide for his family, that's now seen his business drop 95% that there's some things that you're going like, like freaking out yeah. on but it's like so what are you doing to be cool
2: jonathan yeah well um when when i speak i mean you're going to hear a lot of scripture it's just who i am and so um you know in uh, there's a pretty famous scripture philippians 4:13, which says i can do all things through christ who strengthens me but the verses uh, directly preceding that talk about contentment and so um, Paul is is writing, I've learned the secret of being content. I have had plenty. I've had nothing. I've been full. I've been hungry. But I have learned that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And so now we find ourselves in a position where, uh, you know, the, the business is not coming in the way that it was before. As a matter of fact, there's almost no business coming in. Uh, but thankfully, we've learned how to be content because even though this has been a huge blow to our business, I have been significantly... I have been very, very poor, and I'm not very, very poor right now. Thankfully, we, we had done well enough to, to set ourselves up a little bit, and you know, in a time like this, we were okay. And on top of that, um, another thing, this might be a little personal. My wife and I tried to have children for, for six years, and we weren't able to have children. And um, our son was born in April, a month after everything was shut down. And that was the thing that yeah, we desperately like wanted, that we prayed for, that we hoped for. And so no matter what is going on, we used to say before um, our son was around, uh, you know, uh, when you get desperate, you start pleading. And so it'd be, you know, God, we would give up our business. We would give up whatever, just all we want is a is a, is a a child. And uh, so while a lot of those things that we told God we would give up, we we ended up giving up. Uh, the thing that we got is what we'd, we'd, we'd always wanted. And. Uh, you know, I post a lot of pictures and stuff on him. But when I look at his face, when I see his smiling face, it's hard to it's hard to not realize how lucky we are that, uh, you know, especially now that he's in our life. So. Yeah. And Christina's still working, right?
0: So she With works no one
2: hygiene. day um, a week. She works one day. a week. Oh, yeah. So Tuesday she does that. And uh, like if we got if we really, you know, before we started dipping into savings or anything like that, before we had to do any of that. Um, Christina would probably, um, would, would gladly go and do that. But I've also been able to, uh, to transition into doing some, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, the heart beanie, but, uh, I have been able to start doing some contracting work. My father-in-law is a contractor, so he's been helping me, uh, get up started, And so a few jobs here and there, uh, again, we were good with our money, so we don't really have a lot of debt payments. And so our, our bills are quite low. You know, we've been able to, to weather it. The beauty of business
0: owners, man, a lot of the time they're scrappy and adaptable right and they do what needs to be done to be able to get through it and see themselves i mean we talked about and i had mentioned this on, on a virtual call that i was on a couple weeks ago like what's the keys to success like man it's just like not quitting like as much as you'd like to say like yeah. abc are the keys to success like do these three things be it's like it's just never giving up even when you think that it's like it's time to give up it usually means that you need to go just a little bit harder and a little, you know, push a little bit stronger. It's like, I mean, if we're going along yeah. the biblical lines, like I don't a, get anything that you can't deal through, you know, make it through. So keep going.
2: Yeah. And, and going, going, coming from Rogers, uh, you know, I was an athlete and I went to Rogers and we stunk at everything and I hated it. Um, but the thing you would look around, you'd see the Ferris kids, the CD kids, all of them. And you'd be like, you know what, what they have is they, they certainly have more money and they have more opportunity than I uh, than I do but the thing that they will never be able to take away from me, the thing that they can never match me is my work ethic. I'm going to work harder than you. You might have more connections. You might have more money. It doesn't matter. I'm going to outwork you and eventually I'll have those same connections. I'll have the same money, but I'll also have this work ethic to go with it. And so that scrappy nature, I think that's what it is of like, I'm not a loser. I'm not going to lose here. Throw whatever you want at me. I'm going to win. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: I, I th- it might set me back a little bit temporarily, but I'm going
0: to come out and totally. later. Yep.
1: Yeah.
2: Absolutely. Yeah.
1: I would add to that just for context, anybody listening, they're probably picking up on it. But Rogers is, I wanna say in Washington State is one of the lowest graduation rates. Yeah. Yeah. In terms of yeah, poorest. It's it's uh much more ethnic than a lot of places in Spokane, I guess, is yeah. the the PC way of saying so. Um, and yeah, so uh, you know, it's not that you're the only success story, it's just that they're there's needs to be more of them. Um, yep. funnily enough, I was just talking to somebody there's a soccer coach position available at Rogers and nobody wants it. Um, and he keeps trying to get me to take it.
2: I'm like, Oh, you should, man. I tell you <laughs> what, any, any stable presence for anybody in that community is, is more than welcome. I mean, the impact you would have at that school versus any other school it's it's, mm-hmm. there's no comparison. Yeah absolutely steven had
0: and yeah. vowed to not get
1: back into in the youth sport i said i wouldn't do club sport for further oh into. you wouldn't do club sport okay yeah okay but you know what all of the things that i've bitched about when it comes to youth sport disappears when you go to rogers because they're not doing it because their mom and dad are rich and wanting them to do something they're doing it because they love it or because
2: it's the only outlet they have correct yep if I go home, I'm in a place that maybe I don't want to be, and so this just gives me some, you know, time to be away from that. So it's it's a it's a special environment. All of the teachers I really appreciate, but especially teachers who stick it out at Rogers. I have a I have a whole nother level of respect for them.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So let's
1: transition a little bit, Jonathan. You did a thing uh, about a year or so ago, probably about yeah. two years ago now. <laughs> And I remember the phone call I got, or the text message I got, hey, do you have time to get breakfast? And we got together and we met at Frank's Diner up north, and you said, hey, I'm going to run for the the mayor position for the city of Spokane. And my first question, I think, was, are you effing crazy? Um, And the second question was, why would you want to do that to yourself? And we got into it, and truth be known, I think you were probably one of the best, if not the best, candidate that ran um, Thank you. I think the problem was that you, you kind of came from nowhere, had no background. Uh, even if people agreed with you, they were kind of like, Oh, well, this, where did this guy come from? Kind of thing. Right. You had no recognizability. Um, so talk about that. Talk about running for public office. Talk about what's next. Talk about why you did that, what you learned from it and yeah. everything in between.
2: Yeah. Um, I don't know how to explain it. I just... Knew that uh, in me, part of the reason why, you know, of, of, my, of my makeup um, is, is, you know, politics is in my DNA. I know that it's my future, um, you know, business helps me to establish myself, set up my family, uh, because politics is not a place where you're supposed to get rich. And so um, I want to be set up before then because I don't want to be tempted um, in any way when I'm there. I want to be able to be as, as pure, you know, as I can be. Um, and so, um, it's just what what people need is people need somebody who's who's a good listener, who's a good judge, um, who's who's able to understand where people are coming from, and then based on the needs of the community and and the um, you know the voice of the community, be able to to um, to do the right thing, and that's very very difficult to do, but I just believe that that's who I was I was made to be. And so, I mean, I look forward to um, being able to to serve my community in that capacity, to be able to hear their needs and meet their needs without providing for them, you know, but just creating opportunities, getting government out of the way, allowing people to establish themselves in the way that they see fit without government interference. I think that's what uh, the entire world could use a lot more of a, is, you know, a, a live and let live mentality, whereas... You know, in the United States, you have two different parties that are trying to make people, uh, uh, you know, live based on on their worldview. And I think we would all do better if we just said, you know what? As long as you're not hurting somebody, you can do what you want to do. I'll do what I want to do, and we can live in harmony that way. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So, what did you learn? <laughs> what I learned is that uh, um, uh, as 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 politics goes, money matters. Um, That's what I learned. Uh, You know, you can, you can have the best ideas. You can have the best policies. You can have all the best kind of stuff, but if nobody has any idea who you are, it doesn't matter. Uh, So money matters to be able to get your name out there. Um, Connections matter to be able to, um, to do that. And while I was involved in the community, uh, I was very involved in like the church community and the sports community. I wasn't involved in the, uh, in the political community. And so every single person I would meet would be like, Man, Jonathan, you know we really like you. We think that you're you're going to be great. The problem is that we've already put our support over here, and uh, it's politics is like this weird loyalty kind of thing, which just irritates me to no end. Because I'm not loyal to you; I'm loyal to the truth. And so, so while you know you and I might agree on something, you know on on another issue, we might be enemies because I might see it a different way. Um, and so it's it's this weird thing. But now that I've been serving in that capacity, I've run a lot of. Uh, big political events. Now I've I've been involved in um, in that community a lot more. I know that the connections and the money um, will be there whenever I uh, whenever I run again, which which could be sooner than we know. Yeah.
0: So how are you? How are you involved in the political community now? Then. Mm-hmm. So um, what, are you, what are you doing um, now? It's different the- than the last time.
2: Well, last time I was doing the, the same things. The problem was is that you know uh, people didn't know me, but. Uh, you know um, what? What you find is that Spokane has a very strong neighborhood council system, and so mm-hmm. like all the different neighborhoods, you know, your Logan, your Shiloh Hills, uh, you know, mm-hmm. all of those different communities have their own um, uh, neighborhood council, and so being involved in those, hearing the needs of the individual neighborhoods themselves, so you can better represent um, an area or the entire area. Um, being involved there uh, matters. I've been involved uh, with a lot of uh, nonprofits um, in different ways, a lot of different uh, minority groups here in town. I've I've been involved um, in their events, in their lives, helping to um, uh, you know to further their agenda here in um, in Spokane, which I believe is a is a um, you know a a, a good agenda, um, regardless of whether or not it's uh, it's any particular group. If it's a bad agenda, we're not behind it. But if it's a good agenda, I'm with you. And mm-hmm. uh, so doing that is is what has separated me this time from from last time.
1: so what positions would you look at next do you think mayor was a a reach too
2: far for your first political office or no I don't think it was a reach too far I think that if I had jumped into the race um, now I think our mayor has done an admiral job Um, you know I I look at the things that she's had to deal with um, when it comes to the pandemic When it comes to a lot of the George Floyd stuff when it comes to um, a lot of those, she's, she's had a, a tough couple first years, and I think she's done an admirable job. Um, with that being said, um, I think I still could have won the race if I had gotten into it a year, eight months earlier. I think I still could have won. Hmm. Yeah. Cool. Sure. So I don't think it was too much of a stretch. Uh, things that I would look at again, um, I think the things that really matter, city policy matters, state policy matters, rural policy matters. They all matter, but uh, the more localized it gets, um, you know, the more control it has over your life because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they're not they're not really worried about you know whether or not we're putting, uh, uh, you know, like fluoride in our water or something like that at the national level. Um, but state policy, I would love to be um, to represent this area uh, in the in the state legislature at some point um, because I think a lot of people are being maligned in ways that they shouldn't be maligned, and that really irritates me. Um, I'm a big fan of justice and uh true justice, not uh, you know, mob justice in any way. True justice I'm a I'm a big fan of, and so uh <laughs> any any state position I would I would uh jump at the you opportunity. Of, uh, Yeah, you're you're definitely I'm moving mob, uh
1: yeah. you speak much more politically correct than I do. You talk about mob justice, I talk about cancel culture yeah. and you know you talk right. about you, you, you speak about these things in a much more eloquent way than I ever care to. Um, and that's why you're <laughs> going to move into politics and I never will. Um, but well, what Steve, I've learned is we'll shut somebody you down. Going,
2: if, you, if you turn somebody off before they get to hear your message in your heart, it doesn't matter what you say. You have to, um, you have, to have some sort of welcoming presence to where somebody isn't immediately shut up. I understand and appreciate
1: that completely. I think where I'm at is, to a certain extent, I've lost faith in mm-hmm. humanity and in, in, in what society's supposed to yeah. be. You know, we don't give people the platform until they wave a flag identifying themselves. And it's one of the reasons that, I mean, I had in my notes here, I made some notes here before we chatted, uh, the two-party system. I wanted to get your feelings on that. But before that, I think... <laughs> I think we're all going to agree that we follow political parties like we follow sports teams. You're a diehard uh, Patriots fan. I'm a diehard uh, Packer fan, you know, and I'll follow them whether they're good or they're bad, how good their players are. They might have terrible players that do shitty things off the field, but like as an organization, they're usually pretty sound. right? Right. And we can't follow political parties like that because as you mentioned, money's talking to people. You've got lobbyists. If you look at, transition teams and people that are put into positions of power they're people that have for years and years aligned with one one cause and that's what they're there for now to make that one cause happen Mm -hmm. and you know i I don't know what the solutions are although i've got some ideas but i'd love to get your ideas on and we don't want to be political per se but we certainly want to talk about politics want to get your ideas on the two-party system how we fix it what happened i mean you talked about the fact that uh, you see things from both sides. How do you run for office without saying I'm a Democrat or a Republican and be
2: successful? Uh, it's, it's hard to do. It really is. But the, the, the thing that's nice is that if you can get in front of people, and this is where the hard work comes into play, if you can get in front of people, people recognize the truth more than just in their brain, more than just in their heart, in their spirit, they recognize the truth. And so when you speak the truth, people hear it and they respect it. When, when you speak, um, the truth in genuine, uh, you know, uh, trust and love and care, people respect that a lot. Even if they disagree with you, you know, that, that sincerity, um, you know, and and coming from a genuine heart, people really, really appreciate that. From a, uh, from a country perspective, I think our, our, The thing that we need most is a lot more forgiveness so you guys mentioned cancel culture um it seems as if nobody forgives anymore and uh not a single one of us number one deserve forgiveness because we've all done enough stuff that you know we shouldn't be forgiven anymore but here we are Um, and uh, so i think that that what the world needs right now is people to forgive and forgive quickly now, forgiveness doesn't mean that you forget because you don't need to forgive if you could just forget. Um, and so forgiveness means overcoming, you know, your natural instinct in ways, um, you know, that, uh, uh, that, that you have to be taught to, uh, to do because naturally when somebody hurts you, you want, you want to hurt them back. But what the world needs is a lot more uh, forgiveness and kindness and grace. That's what we need. Now that doesn't mean that, uh, You know, if somebody is harming you, that you forgive and you stay in that environment. You know, sometimes you obviously need to adjust your your habits and your 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 circle and all that. But uh, the world needs a lot more forgiveness Uh, from a moral standpoint. We need a lot more forgiveness from uh, from a political standpoint. I think that the the two-party system, while as frustrating as it is, um, I don't find many better systems in the world. Um, And so, uh, you know, a lot of times people say it's the least bad of the isms, and I think that that's where we find Uh, the United States right now, the beauty of our constitution was that it was set up to have ambition, overriding ambition, the gridlock, the deadlock, that was all intended to happen. And so sometimes people feel this immense frustration because it's like, oh, the Democrats, they're doing this. All the Republicans are doing this. Yeah. And it was set up because we knew that people were going to disagree. And so that ambition cancels out that ambition. And so the deadlock and the gridlock isn't anything that should surprise us. That's exactly what it was supposed to be. A practical solution um, for voting, because I know a lot of people um, in my um, in my circle uh, tend to be uh, very libertarian, um, and so uh, they're they're tired of people telling them that their vote is uh, you know it's a throwaway vote, you know your vote doesn't matter, or uh, oh you're going to let this person win if you do that. No vote is ever a throwaway because you're voting uh, who you think is best based on your own conscience, and so no vote is uh, is ever a tossaway vote. But ranked-choice voting, what it does is you can say, okay, I wanted Joe to win, and then I wanted Trump second, and then I wanted Biden third. Uh, you know, then you get certain points based on where they came in in the ticket, and so then you can still vote for the person you want, and then for you – know, if you wanted to use that language, a more practical vote, whatever it is. I think ranked-choice voting is, is terrific. It's how uh, the Constitution was set up. Originally, George Washington is still the only unanimously elected president. That doesn't mean that he was everybody's number one choice. He was just on their ballot. Um, and so since he was on their ballot, he is unanimously he elected, and then the, the person who got the number two votes became the vice president, um, and I think that that's an interesting um, idea understand. to go back to because then you could have a Republican or a Democrat Party. as president, and then a Republican or D- Democrat as the vice president, which again, ambition, canceling out ambition is – I think it's good for people. Yeah. Could you imagine Trump as vice president? <laughs> I I not <laughs>
0: I, I don't think his ego could take it.
2: I, it would be... <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, yeah. He I had, never, oh, I had
1: never known a it was... Political called. aspirations. You're going to have to learn how to bullshit an answer. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that's I, what it was called. I'm ready to go. Let me tell you. <laughs> but when we had I Cindy Wendell... I like that too. Yeah, when we had Cindy Wendell on here, I suggested mm-hmm. something similar. I said, look, the way I look at it, Is whoever wins the presidential race should be president, but they should be forced to have as their vice president the the person that ran against them. Like that's first and second, right? That's Mm -hmm. half the country is represented by one, and half the country is represented by the other. Mm -hmm. And if they don't work together, it's gridlock. Rather than this, yeah. So which we essentially have anyway. But yeah, I didn't know that there was a name for it like that, or that there was even a system that could could make that work. Yeah, and
2: remember, there's what about the, the term limits? Oh, oh, term limits. You, I'm, I'm pro-term like, limits in every single way. Yeah. In, in literally every office, you should not be able to control one sector of anything for 30, 40 years. It's absolutely mind-blowing. Mind you know what I mean? Uh, like, uh, For example, literally Joe Biden was elected to office before he was old enough to hold that office. He had to wait wow. until his 30th birthday to become a senator. He was elected hmm. before he was old enough to be there. And so somebody who spends a lifetime in Congress, I'm not, you know, being anti-pro anything. I'm just saying this is a, a big, big problem for me where you can have somebody hold that position for 50 years. It's a year you got to
0: take off, right? I know we have yeah. like on boards, right? We have term limits you're a four-year term. And then the rules are you take a year off, two years off, whatever it is. And then you're able to join back if you so choose. But you are forced to go and wouldn't even... the private sector for a
2: while. I wouldn't even be for for that. You know, you can hold one office for eight years would be would be my my maximum. Then you can hold one person for eight years. Then you can move into being a senator, and after a senator, then you can become governor. I'm not saying you can't be in government forever, but you can't be in the same position
0: forever. mine would be you can't be in government forever.
1: Yeah. See, I'm more honestly, I would I would
2: look at it and I would be for it. I really would.
1: I'm more aligned with Jonathan. I think you can level up because I think what you learn at the local level, so you're in for city council, then you can be mayor, then you can be a state senator, then if you want to be a governor, then you can be a senator, yeah. congressman, president. So you might be in politics for 20, 25, 30 years, but you've been climbing the ladder of the corp- call it a corporate structure, right? And you've earned sure. your way to that top and then You know, once you've served, and there should be a minimum that you have to have been a senator or a congressperson before you can be president. I don't think you should be able to be president without any background in politics. Uh, But I'm all for career politicians, if and only if there's a term limit and they have to keep leveling
2: up and getting to the next point. So I just wonder, though, if they have ever truly experienced... One portion of that. I I don't think that you should have to have held any previous elected office to get uh, to where... Uh, you know, to where you were. So, um, because I think that that eliminates a lot of candidates and can keep really bad candidates in position. Um, Whoever is the best for the job, regardless of your um, background, regardless of your history, if you're best for the job, you're the person I want.
1: I could get with that. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Because there's actually some, I mean, now that
1: the billionaire thing has been blown up, um, you know, Mark Cuban's a favorite of mine. I didn't hate Bloomberg running and they chased him off. Um, yep. You know, there's uh, on, the, on the Republican side, I think there's a lot of people that might identify as Republican privately, but would never do so outwardly, um, mm-hmm. you know, and I mean, and, and the case in point being that look at what's happened to Ellen DeGeneres this year. And I think that's in direct retaliation to her sitting with George Bush a couple of years ago at a baseball 100%, game. 100%. Yeah. And then she said, look, I don't care how someone identifies politically if they're a good person and they're trying to do good things i'm going to be with them or spend time with them and that's what mm. she believed of george bush and the funny thing is now the lefties and, and i'm not all the way right and i'm not all the way left i look at myself as centralist now the ones that are all the way left they hate her for that uh, but at the same time they're praying that george bush was still there you know it's like well yeah, which is it? Like, yeah, back, back then, you thought George Bush was the worst we could ever get, and yet he seems moderate yeah. compared to what you're saying's going on now. Um, Absolutely,
2: yeah.
1: yeah. And yeah. then another yeah. example: you you talked about redemption, and I thought about this yesterday watching football. You've got Michael Vick on, is it Fox, talking about football, and ten, fifteen years ago, everybody was trying to cancel him for dogfights. But yeah, yeah, he's shown a propensity to, uh, to be uh, sorry to. You know he's shown that he's willing to work hard and, and make his image better by doing good things. Um, regardless of the impetus to do that, he's done it. And a redemption story for me is every bit, and it's probably more trustable than this perfect, squeaky clean image never done anything wrong. Because I don't think anybody's like that, right?
2: No, absolutely not. Um, and that's that's the thing is that Michael Vick at one point needed to be needed to be cancelled because what he did was was horrific. But once he's paid his debt to society, and you can see the ways that he has, um, you know, uh, again, sorry, I'm going to quote scripture again. The Bible tells us to bear fruit in keeping with repentance. If you look at Michael Vick, you can tell his life is significantly different, and the way that he has learned what he's done wrong, and and his application of what he's learned, you can tell that that guy was sorry, and and uh, you know, changed his life accordingly. That's mm-hmm. the kind of thing that we should absolutely celebrate, um, and and you know. Those are the kinds of people that you should bring back into, into society. And they should be a testimony to the rest of the world that like, look at this. If you find that when you have done something wrong, you correct it, you, you, you continue on that path. Look, come back, you know, be, be a part of us again. You know, that's, that's, he's, he's a, he's a model to the world is what he is right now. Absolutely. And and he showed contrition, right? So contrition is such
1: a, such a novel concept these days. It's like, Hey, you can, you can screw up. And really yeah. show contrition and come back from it. I believe I want that, right? If we, if I was written off every time I screwed up, there's a, I mean, I'd be a down and out.
2: <laughs> you'd have no marriages. You'd have no families. You'd have no organizations. You, you'd have no society whatsoever if not for forgiveness.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, Jonathan, that goes back to something you said earlier, and I've said it a few times. Is like on the podcast, we need more love and grace, right? And you said grace mm-hmm. as one of them. Absolutely. It's like, man like the grace is the only reason why a lot of us are still around. Yes. So, the, the, yeah, the whole idea of somebody paying their debt forever mm-hmm. for one mistake they made would be tough.
2: Or, I yeah. would say or it depends passing the along mistake. to their children, because you see that in society mm-hmm. as well, too. It's like the entire yeah. family is guilty of that sin. And it's yeah, just, that's totally. that's not how it works. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> your dad or mom screwed up doesn't mean the kids are now screwed right. up. Yeah yep yep or your brother and your sister they're all they're all you know tainted as well it's it's really unfortunate. well and, and our
0: culture loves a good car wreck right we like to just watch that car wreck as we drive by yeah and i mean that, i think that's the case too and we never forget it like that's right family friend. uh well uh, oh i guess it's all public so i can talk about like so craig elo was friends uh, the elos were friends of my in-laws mm-hmm. and i remember yeah. when craig had a little bout that got in the newspaper when he burned his clothes in the front yard mm-hmm. and everybody's like oh he lost to these ballers they're all crazy rich guys right. and it's like if you actually knew what was going on it's like and stop projecting you would right. know that he had 10 back surgeries and because of that that was on pain pills right mm-hmm. and became addicted yeah and with the detox for it it's like and then got his life in order again and then and got off the pain pills right but it's like people just yeah assume that the whole family is just messed up and yep you know they're all going down it's just like oh my god you guys it's like you don't know. even know you just read into a, something that was
2: a headline and totally well if if somebody more through. successful than you falls from grace you find out that your yeah. own life you know isn't as miserable as as it was before yeah. you know and so it's easy to to find fault in others because then you don't feel so bad about yourself right if only yeah. that was true right
1: if only putting someone else's flame out made your shine brighter. Um, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So, really yeah, it. yeah, it used to be, though. I mean, so I'm an immigrant, obviously. I came here from a different country. The American dream is alive and well, as far as I'm concerned, not yes. just from an immigrant standpoint. But if you're willing to work hard, adapt yep. and, and put, put your, your life and, and, and your mind to something, you can achieve anything in this country, right? Absolutely. And it used yep. to be the only thing that America loved more than a public scandal was a good redemption story. And what cancel yes. culture has created is, well, now you can't have a redemption story. You literally cancelled them. The, the, everything they do now is evil, regardless of they could go out tomorrow and mm-hmm. take all the all the homeless puppies in and cure cancer, and you're still going to you're still going to look at them as evil and. That's yep. where we've gotten to in politics in general, just to come like full circle back to, yeah, yeah. now we don't love those redemption stories. Now we block them.
2: Yeah. It's, it's really sad because redemption shows again, the, the ability for the human spirit to acknowledge fault, make a correction and be better for those around them. Like it's, it's one of the truly amazing things. If you look in nature, you know, the instinctual nature, um, … of every other animal in the world is that they're trying to get the most they can for themselves and those that they're directly responsible for, whereas humans are the only ones who find the the ability in themselves to take care of others and to put others above themselves. It's, it's a really unique thing about us that we're trying to take away so that – and I don't understand why you would want to take away the things that make you unique. Yeah,
1: um, yeah. Absolutely. So I also saw something cool that you're involved in here with one of our other former podcast guests. You're sitting down and chatting with uh, Philip Tyler and some other oh, yeah. people in the community. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Because that seems like a cool little project.
2: Um, you'll need to refresh me on the project. Phil and I are, are friends and we we, uh, we hang out, but I don't know that there's an actual project that we're working on.
1: Oh, uh, I thought, were you part of, I thought you might have been part of the group that sat down and there was four or five of you and Philip, they recorded
2: it like a Facebook live. Were oh, you... no, no. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm friends with, uh, Philip and Katara Johnson is in there as well. Kevin Parker, mm-hmm. uh, you know, but, uh, but no, I saw that photo and I thought, man, I, I wish I could have been a part of that group, but no. Yeah. I thought you were That's for some me. reason. Wait, you must've just commented on rub it. Rub, the same as me. Balloon,
1: rub and salt the wound, Steven, rub salt the wound, buddy.
2: Hey, I was the same, just for
1: the record. I was like, that would be a good conversation right there. Absolutely. that would be. Jennifer Thomas
2: people. was in it as well, I believe. Jennifer yep. Thomas. And there was five. I can't, who was the fifth? I can't remember the fifth, but. Uh,
1: uh, yeah, it no, was, yeah. give me a second. She served on the SYP board with me. And for the life of me, I can't think of her name. Glasses owns, uh, owns a media company, the social media company. Um, oh my Erica? Lord. Erica, there you go. Erica Norris. Yeah, I was like, oh, that was the fifth. Yes. Yeah. Yep. So you had people of color, LGBT, conservatives, mm-hmm. Democrats, uh, mm-hmm. people in the middle. I mean, it was just a a whole yeah. hodgepodge of wow. This is because everybody's coming yep. from a different place with their own struggles. Absolutely. And, and it was well. Cool. And this is
2: what's really this is what's really important, and this is what I hope to bring back to politics. Um, is not just, uh, you know, uh, people talk about diversity all the time and diversity is important, but one of the things that gets lost in the diversity conversation is the diversity of thought. It seems as if somebody doesn't think exactly like you, they can't be a part of your group. Um, And that's really irritating because, uh, you know, as somebody who comes from a missionary's family, we would go to, uh, you know, to third world countries, you know, to, uh, know, to, to bring the gospel and they don't have the same perspectives on just about anything as you do. And it's one of the great joys in your life to be able to learn and understand and hear from other people that are different than you. It's it's one of the one of the true pleasures about again, about our um, about humanity that's that's unique to to us well, and, and not to anybody else that you can learn. Um, and and take the best aspects of every culture and create a super culture, which is exactly what the United States is, you know, as we have the highest immigrant population in the world. By the way, we have 62 million immigrants that live in the United States. 62 million of the 330 Mm -hmm. million people that are living in the United States, 62 million are immigrants, which is an astounding number. 20% of the world's immigrants Choose the United States of America because of the freedom and the justice and everything that we have here. It's such a beautiful culture that we've created because we have taken the best that the world had to offer, whether or not they were the wealthiest or the smartest or anything, right? Because the Statue of Liberty says, Give me your tired, you're hungry, you're poor, you're weak. Give me, give me all of them. Mm-hmm. We just took the best aspects of every single culture in the world, created the super culture that the world has. The world, the world has never seen anything like it before. It's absolutely, truly incredible what we have here. And I just, I'm, I'm so lucky to have been born here. I'm so lucky that I have, I have people here who've, who've chosen to make this their home and become my countrymen. You know, it's just, it's the most beautiful place in the world. Yeah, not patriotic at all. Yeah, not patriotic <laughs> at all. To go tell you, ask <laughs> somebody this... who's, who's worked in a lot of areas that don't have the freedoms of the United States let me tell you how incredible it is to live in the United States. And people who who don't don't realize how incredible it is, I absolutely encourage you to go check out some other places in the world because you might come back and realize, yeah, okay, we still got some things we need to work on. But overall, America is 99, man. It is so good.
1: I preach this. I preach this to people. I'm like, look, I've been all over the damn world. I've seen Mm -hmm. places. I've seen depravity. And, you know, yeah, to your point, we get some things we can work on, but we're living in the yep. most accepting, progressive culture on earth, bar none. And to focus on what we're not doing is, to me, it's it's like having a million dollars and wondering how how do I get that extra ten dollars? You're, you're tripping over tripping over uh, pennies and missing the
2: dollar bills, right? That's a great analogy. It really is. Yep. I mean, America is is the most special place that has ever existed. I mean, it's just absolutely
1: incredible. And you said something about everybody sort of being forced to have the same belief set. And again, this this is sometimes controversial because he's a military figure. But one of my favorite quotes is from George S. Patton, General Patton. And he said, if everybody's thinking the same, someone isn't thinking. And we lost this ability. Well, how do you
0: grow without having
1: your beliefs challenged at some point? Well, social discord is 100% protected and something that you should always have. Again, like we should never be happy per se with everything and say it doesn't need fixed. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, social discord has to be respectful and it has to be coming from a place of finding a solution as opposed to perpetuating issues or um, sort of making victims of people that aren't always victims.
2: Yeah. And this might be a, this might be a soapbox moment for me, but uh, as you (laughs) said, you know, we obviously shouldn't be accepting of everything. And I think this is something that we've forgotten. It feels like you're you're told to accept everything, but we have to remember that there are certain things that we should hate, right? Like hate has its place. Mm-hmm. You should hate injustice. You should hate it when somebody is being bullied. Like hate has its place in it. You shouldn't not everything should be love and, and joy and happiness all the time. There's time for anger and there's time for uh for hatred in this time and you should you should hate the things that make society worse. You should hate injustice. You should hate things along those lines. And so uh, this is just something that I'm I'm so fed up with hearing in the world today is that you have to accept everything. No, you don't. As a matter mm-hmm. of fact, there are plenty of things that shouldn't be accepted. <laughs> Sorry. No, it's so funny that's though. A, that's when you separate...
0: talk about morality though, and morality is a very general term, right? Mm-hmm. I don't think there's a common yeah. belief on what is moral in some areas too, because mm-hmm. folks are gonna, I mean you can look at BLM and we're not gonna get into talking about this today, but it's like yeah and as an organization versus a phrase right and and people right. are gonna be on both sides of that in terms of the moral argument right so mm-hmm. i don't know morality's got some gray area to it which is funny to say because you wouldn't think but it certainly does yeah. but uh i do want to share this one... okay let, that let me you say one thing one... lord knows if i hole? let you go much longer oh. you'll keep going <laughs>
2: There's one very simple rule that is universal, absolutely universal, regardless of your religion, race, anything. Treat others the way that you want to be treated. Golden rule. You baby. do not have to add anything more to that. If you don't want somebody to punch you, don't punch people. If you don't want somebody to call you a certain thing, don't call other people a certain thing. You know what I mean? Like it's a very simple concept that absolutely covers all moral issues.
0: Yeah. So let's go to. Uh, I, w- I want to pivot and go back to your business. So you, yeah. prior to your company, had never led anybody before. You uh, youth group, it sounds like, things like that, in the church. You know. But right. when you're know. you talking about something that is your baby now. That I mean, this is your name on it. Mm-hmm. Legal Enterprises, right? Um, right? You had 12 people, including you, excluding you? Whatever, it doesn't matter. Uh, excluding, yeah. Okay, so 12 employees, right? What was it like to now be in a position of leadership, right? And management. And there's, they're, they're different. Uh, as Stephen and I have talked about before, but John's got a smile on his face here already too. So talk about some of the things that you had to learn about yourself to really overcome to be a productive and good leader, right? Because I mean, yeah. not all leaders are just naturally born. You having a charismatic personality helps to some degree, right? And, and being able to give people yeah. a little bit of grace in life. But that can also bite you in the ass too, if we're being real, yeah. So talk about some of those times where maybe you got bit and what did you learn? And then how did you adapt and change? And how have you grown in your late leadership
2: skills? Yeah. Um, so one of the things that I, I learned about myself is um, I didn't like being challenged by certain people. Um, and I, the, the other big thing that I had to learn is uh, you know, cause obviously I'm a very confident person. I think I'm great at everything. I'm not actually great at everything and so yeah. i had to learn what i really sucked at so that i could let other people lead in in a position where i wasn't a good leader so um when our company was was very um very young uh i remember uh firing my wife and uh that did not go over well at all and i was so mad you know we i mean we had this big old fight and uh my wife and i have a great relationship but uh we this one moment we had a bad fight and i fired her and i remember i went down um down uh stairs in my house and i started praying and i was so mad you know and i was saying certain things to god that were personal and all this kind of stuff and i just remember very clearly in my spirit uh hearing god say why would i give you anybody else to build anything when you rejected the best one that i ever gave you and i had to humble myself go up to my wife and apologize and my wife is such a brilliant leader. She's a great woman. Uh, she's very educated. She's a great mom. She's she my wife is great again at, at just about everything. And so, <laughs> but she's an alpha. I'm an alpha. We're both alphas. And what what great companies have is they have a lot of alphas that understand how to work with others. And once I figured out how to u- utilize my wife and get out of her get out of her way and allow her to lead in the things that she was great at. Our business doubled year over year for the last six years, except for this one, obviously. But I mean, six years in a row, we doubled year over year. And that was because I was I was able to understand how what she was great at and, and implement that in our business, which helped me to understand in myself that you, you don't have to be great at everything. There's plenty of stuff that you can be bad at. Just find somebody who's better than you at that and allow them to take ownership of those um, of those roles in your in your business, and that ended up being really really good for me. That's good. How fun too with your wife. That's a that's a good one. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Now that's not to say that there's not still some tension yeah. there, but uh, understanding oh, how sure. to how to work in that is is well, really really
0: good. They say if you can create a business together and then build a house together, that your marriage uh pretty tight. So have you built a house yet?
2: uh No. But uh, no, we well, remodel the Does that count? Okay, you're halfway there. We'll give you halfway. Half credit. Yeah, I'll we'll take do. it. One and a half. Half credit. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's a solid C. One and a half out of two. Right. Seventy-five percent. I'll take it. Average.
1: Yeah. I would say the fact he's alive after firing his wife is a.
0: I was. A what male. I was going to oh say. My God. God. The one thing why he hasn't reached like you know multi millionaire status quite yet, at least that I know of, is because he hasn't let his wife take over as CEO.
2: Listen to me. My wife is like this is manipulated behind the scenes. She knows what's going on. This is the unfortunate thing, is that I get to be the public face of of my family and my company and stuff like that. Because I'm good at it. That's one of the things that I'm good at. But uh one of the one of the downsides of that is that people don't get to know my wife well enough because she is she is really brilliant. She's she's really talented, and she absolutely is the reason why we are what we are today, because was good at a lot of things. I was scatterbrained. I was un- I I wasn't very professional, uh, you know, because I was as successful as I as I as I wanted to be. But my wife helped me to understand how more success was going to allow me to be more effective in the community that I wanted to be in, and so it really shaped me up and and made me into uh, to a man. Um, and so I really hope that in all of this, my 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 one big hope um, is that people get to get to know my wife a lot better because she's she's really tremendous
1: yeah uh, sharing that spotlight as well like i think there's a lot of men that probably have failed relationships behind them that have mm-hmm. never had that realization that they had the right person but they did not let that person flourish and in yeah. turn flourish themselves
2: yeah when you when you go through really difficult situations with people uh you know that you see the this a lot in war times where you were in the same, uh, you mm-hmm. know, when you were in the trenches, I mean, there's an actual expression. You're in the trenches together when you're in the trenches with somebody they're they're your person for life. And my wife and I have been in the trenches, uh, you know, in, um, in building a church, you know, when we started a church in building a business, we were doing that, uh, in building a family together. Uh, in, uh, in, but, uh, but building, really building, when we, when we had to we pray, had and, to believe to pray child, and believe for a child, for a child, that's, that's the thing that, uh, I mean for, she's forever my person and I'm forever hers uh, you know when you go through such emotionally and spiritually intense things like that I mean it just there's, there's a bond that cannot be replicated mm-hmm.
1: yeah,
2: yeah. cool well we're <laughs>
0: at about an hour in here, here
1: can as I ask are. one more thing yeah. yeah I asked this again of our last uh, the last political person we had on was Cindy Wendell Um, and it's a question I ask people every now and again, if you could, and we're going to talk about high school as if things are normal and people are going to school like they should, if you could write more of something into a curriculum, what do you think we're not teaching in school that we need to be teaching people to be successful?
2: Money, money, Uh, money is a game. Money is very, very easy. It's not hard if you know the rules of the game. And, uh, one of the things that I'm thankful for is that, um, when I turned 18, my dad, um, you know, retired as a pastor and became a, um, a financial advisor. And so it helped me to get some financial principles early on before I dug a huge hole. Um, uh, that sort of thing really, really helped out. Um, and it's one of the reasons why I'm really thankful that I did learn that stuff because right now, um, you know, is probably outside of when we were first, uh, I mean, we have we have the least amount of money coming in now um, that, you know, since maybe when we were first married. But because of us understanding money and being smart, it's helped us to be in a position where, you know, we're not we're not freaking out. You know, I mean, our business has been at 90, you know, been down 95 percent for eight months. And, uh, you know, we're not freaking out. And it's because we understood money. And uh, this is one of the big things that that people should understand. Um, I know that there's a lot that that we want to teach our children. Um, I think that you always start with the practical things first, and money is at the very top of the list. If you look at the three things couples fight at, fight over most, number one is money. So we could we could help save relationships. We could help put more people into colleges. We could uh, make sure that people aren't going as hungry as they are. Uh, you know, we wouldn't have uh, have to have uh, so many people on Social Security. I mean, if people understood money and especially the time value of money, it's it's a revolutionary thing that we could do for our society is teaching money. I love that. I can't agree more.
1: I think the mm-hmm. you know balancing a checkbook is a is a foregone a bygone era. I think, but you know, I was I was talking to some high school kids who I coached. This is maybe seven or eight years ago. And I remember asking them, or they asked me about starting a business. And I said, well, what do you think the first thing you should do is? And they said, write a business plan. And I said, that's always a good place to start. What do you want to do? What do you want to achieve? I said, what's the next Mm -hmm. thing? And one of them went, get a bank loan. And I was like, okay, why would you get a bank loan? Do you need a bank loan? Do you, you know, and just the relationship that I think is taught now with money is that borrow, borrow, borrow. And I'm not saying that there isn't a, a point where you do want to leverage and you do right. want to borrow if you have to yes. f- to grow to grow, but I think this mindset that to start a business you have to go to the SBA and get this federally insured loan, and I think that I should be explored and just money principles well, in general. Good money principles.
0: Even if it's a business, I mean, even if you're not going to start a business, majority of people don't start businesses, right? So I mean, it's even mm-hmm. just basic financial literacy. I always joke like people learn it from their parents, and their parents have no idea what they're doing. So it's the blind no. leading the blind. In this yeah. scenario, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, and this yep. is ever perpetuating negative cycle. I mean, people, I had one today, somebody talking about a credit card and how they keep a balance on there and pay it down $50 a month just to show that their debt to income is improving every month. I'm like, just pay it off and it'll improve in one month and then just keep it paid off every month. Like
2: <laughs> you don't need to do the 50 like, oh yeah, yeah.
1: But our business has been know, full of cash.
2: Yeah, our business has been all cash from its inception. But I have I have huge credit lines because without it, I mean, you know, I don't know that there's something in the future where a business goes up for sale and I don't have that much open cash credit. On Correct. Yeah, yeah. So no balance yeah. on it. Not I just carrying least... the balance. You have open credit. Yeah. yeah. Right, right, right. And so, so I mean, I have the ability to to go and get a lot of money, but what, this is all setting me up for. Uh, time in the future where if you know a business went up for sale that was you know maybe a few million dollars i don't have a few million million dollars in cash on hand Um, and so being able to go and do that i might i might need to to leverage some places but uh, understanding that credit just because you have it doesn't mean you have to use it Mm
0: -hmm. yeah totally
2: yeah you have a unique insight
1: into a lot of businesses as well you're like me you get to you get to see how they're operated you get to see how they've been operated when new owners come into places and you move your games you know, it's like you carry on the services. It's like, oh, you guys are doing this differently. That's better. Or that's, here's how the last guy did it. Maybe you should consider that. So right. there's a, I think there's also this assumption in society, and this is maybe something we could add to that curriculum as well, that business owners are smart and rich. And I've dealt with a lot of stupid, broke, rich, or stupid, broke, fake, rich business owners who, you know, in Texas, they say big hat, no cattle. And right, yeah, they're everywhere.
2: Yeah. <laughs> absolutely they they are they are everywhere i've been in some houses uh you know with some people in the church where uh, you know you would go in there and their house doesn't look like they have much whatever it is um but you know because of of uh, the positions that i've held in the church i've been able to see giving records and you would see people with tremendously generous hearts and generous wallets that that are giving to a lot of programs and organizations in the church you go to their house and you would think that they were broke well it's just a difference of how people use their money. I've been to some places where it's like, man, these people are filthy rich, but their anxiety levels are here because they're just, you know, mortgaged to the hilt. They've got no wiggle room. They've got nothing. If they lost mm-hmm. their job, everything comes crumbling down. Um, you know, and I, I know which one of those two I'd, I'd rather be. Yeah. Yep. I agree. Yeah. Well, well we, Jonathan, we appreciate you, Jonathan.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah thanks for having me. I, I appreciate the invite. We'll let you go move some more LVP. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I'm done moving it now. I just gotta prep it.
1: Yeah. Ooh, hopefully we can on your
2: uh, personal house, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully we can break bread and raise a glass here soon in person. Um and not always be on this Zoom.
2: I know it. I'm Seriously. I'm I'm looking forward to that day and I'm I'm ready whenever it comes. You know, give me a call, <laughs> shoot me a text, whatever I'm I'm in.
0: Yeah
1: so you know where that comes from right
2: no no idea yeah
1: how to lose a guy in 10 days matthew mcconaughey and um, kate hudson
2: yes yes she's doing that thing (laughs) our love fern
1: so our love fern i was in a goofy mood one day right and one of the girls in ben's office i was sending him calendar invites for all of our different no, um man. events that we had coming up for the podcast and i kept putting in Stephen and benny boo and then i would put what it was and she intercepts them all because she's the one that manages his calendar yes. and and he just he's like by the way shelby f and hates you because everything that okay. comes through says benny boo this and that ben- <laughs> <laughs> well
0: no but you so can it- send in like a thousand different calendar invites and canceling them and then doing reoccurring tasks and you and b money baker yeah uh, that's brooke i call her B money break baker brooke so, baker he'll send these things like i got one recently it was rat pack meets the rat pack right and it's the, all the young folks that are going to get together with the older kind of influential yeah. folks in town and shelby's like i don't get to go to the brat pack rat pack what the <laughs> hell like, come on <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, everything goes in my calendar. My dinners, my happy hours, everything. Benny Boo has stuck
1: since that day. And I I still say Benny Boo all the time. Yeah, it's so original,
0: Stephen. I never heard it before that day. But
1: (laughs) no one's (laughs) as consistent with it as I am. That's right. It annoys you, but you've just adopted it now. (laughs) Unless you wear that badge of honor. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, to everybody still listening, we appreciate you. Please rate, review, share. Tell someone about this. We got some great insight from Jonathan. Hopefully Ben and I give a little insight here and there as well. And uh, until the next time, be good to yourselves and to each other.
0: Yes. Boom.